Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You fall down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Radio! We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyal? Is it sedition? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty! Oh, give me! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given right, and we shall not yield that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. Thanks for listening. One with your official break here at Revolution Radio for your slips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. All right. Welcome to Free, free Association. All right. Here we go. It's all a bit, uh, it's a little bit of echo. Can you hear me okay, Mist? Let, let me know in the chat if you, if you can definitely hear me okay this week because I had some technical issues last week. I've got some dodgy broadband at home. My broadband's been cut off, so I'm back in the central station uh, in uh, Destination 1850, which is the, the cafe bar here, although they've got some kind of licensing issues, so they're not a bar at the moment. So I've lugged my laptop and my audio interface and my microphone and my microphone stand about 50 yards basically to the nearest cafe that's quiet enough to do a radio show from, which is this one. And I'm going to do this for most of the summer, I think. I'm not going to bother with the broadband at home for the summer because I can just go out and about again. There's plenty of places I can do shows from during the summer when there's no football on on Saturday because the, the bars and the cafes will be quiet. The bars will be quieter than in the winter in the football season, so... I should be fine almost anywhere. The The weather's the main thing. If it's wet, then I'll come down here. If it's dry and sunny, then I'll find somewhere in the sun and do the show from there. There's a place, if you remember back about a year ago, two years ago maybe, is it? When I was when I was traveling, traveling light with a laptop and a, a USB microphone, I used to do shows from... Science Park, which is just around the corner from me, which belongs to the university. It was developed by the university. It's on the site of the old Newcastle breweries. So there's 
There's five five or six buildings up there. They do a lot of their data analysis there, so it's a it's a big it's a big data analysis kind of site. Uh, I don't know exactly what they do. I know they do their census work and their all their social science analysis in there as well. I think there's a couple of buildings that are actually labelled as the university, and the others aren't, but they're all still basically university buildings, and they they rent out part of the space, but but they're basically university buildings. And the the universities in Newcastle is two. There's the University of Northumbria, which is the one that I went to when it was when it was. Uh, Northumbria Polytechnic about 40 years ago almost exactly 40 years ago and then you've got Newcastle University which is a red brick kind of high level university on the on the same level as Oxford Cambridge York uh, Bristol those and, and the London universities so that's the place that everybody comes to from the south up here the local state stay in there Northumbria University, but uh, anybody from out of the area will, will come up to Newcastle Uni. It's a it's an important part of the city. They've also got a there's a a life sciences building at the end of my street, which I'm looking at now from the central station, which is uh, also run partly by the university. I think somebody told me it was owned by Monsanto. But I think that I think it's partly owned by the university, so it might be a. a I'd have to look it up, but I, I think if Monsanto is involved, I'll have to look that up. But I'm sure it's the university's involved. And it's like a conf, conference center for for health related topics. Oh, they do they do their anti aging research and things like that in there, in the science part as well, and at the center of life. And there's a there's a children's kind of exhibition and a planetarium in there as well. So so I'm lit, I'm literally living within 20 yards of a planetarium, which I've never been to. I should go down and have a look, really. But anyway, so you're listening to Free Association. Let's do the ID first of all. You're listening to Free Association. It's about six minutes past four in the afternoon here now which means it's just after 11 o'clock in the States on the East Coast. Uh, I'm here for the next hour. Uh, you're also listening to Revolution Radio, which is a listener-supported station. Uh, what that means is that we've got to pay for bandwidth and servers. We've got two studios running 24 hours a day, more or less. And we've got the Hawk's Nest as well, which I do experimental stuff on and other people do shows on, which is more of an internal kind of studio so good for experimenting if you've got ideas you want to play with it's good for experimenting with shows I used to do Technocratic Tyranny Blues on there about three or four months ago five months ago now just before Christmas and I had fun with, had fun with it for about three or four months got it to the format stage that I wanted to and then Something else took over. What did I do with it? I turned it into a breakfast show on Podbean for a couple of months and changed the title of it to Soul Kitchen. And then we ended up talking about Antarctica and uh, all sorts of things on there. 
and it turned into kind of a partly a music show, partly conversation, talk show with whoever was around on Podbean. But um, but either way, Revolution Radio's listeners supported, and we do need some help to pay the bills. So you'll find a donation button on the website at revolution.radio, and if you can help out, either with a one-off donation or with something monthly through Patreon, then we would definitely appreciate that. Nobody here gets paid. We're all volunteers, but we do need help to keep things running. All right, so that that out of the way. What have I been up to the last couple of weeks? While, I, while I've not been, not been doing shows, I have been doing podcasts. So last week I had a technical issue and I couldn't, couldn't manage to get things sorted out. And uh, I'd already recorded a show. In actual fact, I recorded about 45 minutes of, of what I wanted to do. Anyway, so I posted that on the on the podcast, uh, which is also called Free Association Radio Show, and which you can find on Spotify. So if you want to hear last week's show, then you can find that on Spotify. But I've been I've been recording plenty of material for the podcast, so I've got a couple of things, a couple of monologues that I recorded over the last couple of days that I'm going to play. Uh, let me share my screen, and then we'll we'll work work it out from there. Give me two seconds to work out what I'm doing again. Yeah, share screen. Where's share screen? Oh, sorry, I've forgotten where everything is. Let's do it from there. Honestly, um, share screen. There we go. Share sound. Here we go. All a bit improvised, but at least I'm here this week. So, getting to the place where it's functional again. So let's try this. This is a a piece. What's it? This is a royal, a monologue about about the coronation we've got the coronation of king charles the third coming up next weekend uh, it's a bank holiday weekend this weekend so it's a public holiday on monday and then we've got another public holiday next weekend for the coronation so i was interviewed last week on wednesday last week i was walking down the the main shopping street in newcastle which is northumberland street i've been to a jobs fair at the library I got to the corner of Northumberland Street and there was a couple of people set up with a, a microphone and a video camera uh, inevitably I made eye contact and went over to talk to them and uh, he started ask, the, the guy with the microphone started asking me questions about the royal family and the coronation and what I was doing for the coronation so I kind of told him I'm, I'm preparing a show for next week that involves uh, a little bit of royal history it might involve a little bit of coverage of the actual coronation depending on the t- on what footage is available on YouTube at the time and then there'll be a little bit of Monty Python and the Holy Grail just for fun so I've already got it prepared in my head 
so it's it's there waiting to happen. But uh, I gave him seven minutes of opinion about the royal family. So this is pretty. This is part of what I said. They haven't posted the footage yet, so I'm waiting for them to post the footage, and then I'll. If they do, I'll use that next week as well. Well, this is a version of what I said. Okay. Good morning. Okay, good morning. Why is that not working? <laughs> Honestly. Why? Is and I'm, I'm starting to seriously think about what I need to do. There we go. Tomorrow's show now. I've got a couple of things recorded about the history of the Order of the Garter and the importance of the Order of the Garter to the King, which I'm going to play. And I've got some material that I recorded earlier in the week that I might use, but I'll... In theory, I want it to be new material, so I'm going to sit down with a notepad and go through the, the whole week, all the conversations I've had, and pick out something, and then write a monologue about it. So I think it's probably going to have to be something something conspiratorial or something royal related, because I, I was interviewed on Wednesday morning. For a YouTube channel, so I maybe could. They haven't posted the interview yet, but if they do that before tomorrow, then I'll use that material. And uh, if not, then I'll I'll just re re imagine what I said and and use that as a monologue. I I came up with about seven minutes of opinions about the royal family without trying very hard. So I think a monologue about the royal family and the King Charles III coronation might be appropriate for tomorrow. So I'm going to give that a try. I'm going to write write that today. And then if I don't come up with anything else, I can fall back on, on a monologue about the royal family um, because it's, it's easy for me. I didn't realise how many opinions I have about the royal family, but there's quite a few. And uh, they're, they're quite uh, strident. So this interview on Wednesday happened on Northumberland Street in Newcastle on the corner by the City Library. I'd just been to a jobs fair, so I'd been to a, a talk by the NHS about why they like to employ people who are over 50. and spoken to two or three people who were recruitment agencies and, and people who had potential jobs on offer. And then I'll, I'll, I left there at about midday and spotted a couple of people with a microphone and a camera set up on the corner of Northumberland Street and made eye contact with a guy it's a guy and a woman uh, from a YouTube channel called Northeast Updates so I made I made eye contact with, with him and he, he kind of gestured me over put the microphone in front of me he didn't even tell me who they were just started asking me questions. <laughs> very, very, very easy. Just like microphone six inches away from your mouth. Uh, what do you think about King Charles's coronation? What do you think about the amount of money that's being spent on the coronation? Apparently it's a hundred million. He, I didn't know. And he asked me how much I thought was being spent. I said 50 million. So I was out by... 50% on my guess but uh, 100 million is a lot of money 
and obviously there are better things to spend it on uh like you could potentially pick a group of people and give them two thousand pounds to spend on personal development and training give them give people a training budget with some specific things they can spend the training training money on and let people improve themselves and and get themselves equipped with new skills that's what i would spend the money on but that's just me um i know the value of new skills i absolutely know the value of new skills i've been i've spent the last two months teaching myself audio editing and engineering and trying to understand the terminology and getting used to the software and the hardware so that it so that i'm comfortable with it and it's becomes becoming second nature to me now after three months it's a lot easier than i thought it was so the block was a psychological block and i didn't realize that so once i'd overcome the psychological block to to doing some work with audio equipment and audio software obviously i, I bought the roadcaster pro 2 last september and it cost me a lot of money so but it's it's a simplified version of what other equipment would do so the the roadcaster pro 2 opened my belief system to the possibility that i could do that sort of stuff and that's what it took it took me spending money on something that was very very simplified but also had access to advanced processing so i got used to how to use the processing on the roadcaster pro 2 and now i can apply it to any mixing desk ultimately now that i know roughly speaking what i'm doing i can work out what i'm doing by ear which again is not something that i'd done before not something that i was even aware that i could do so it, it took an investment of 700 pounds on in the road on the roadcaster pro 2 to to widen my belief system to the possibility that i could do my own engineering and my own sound editing audio editing and it's still taken it's taken six months to get to a point where i'm actually doing it on a on a daily basis now and i've, I've kind of put the roadcaster pro 2 to one side and i'm doing i'm concentrating on doing pre-production and post-production using audio editing software for the moment at least and then i'll I'll go back to doing it live on the roadcaster and find a combination that works at the moment though for the summer i'll be i'll be doing pre-production recording pieces to to slot into live shows because i think that's that's part of what needs to happen for the show to make it more successful so that's what i'm focusing on so getting back to this interview uh, I managed to come up with seven minutes worth of opinions on the royal family, and I didn't even know I had an opinion on the royal family. But obviously, they're they're used to marrying their cousins, which means they're a little bit uh, burdened with genetic irreg irregularities that come from marrying cousins, uh, which produces mental health issues and physical disabilities sometimes. So there's a history of mental of, of psychological issues, there's a history of mental illness within the royal family, and it produces some some quite disturbing behaviour. 
and they've they've also got a history of associating with with paedophiles so if a family knows two paedophiles there's something wrong there somewhere isn't there there's something not right if you know that many paedophiles if your family is associated with two like major sexual predators Jeffrey Epstein and Jimmy Savile so if it happened once you could say that they didn't know about it it was an accident if they weren't aware then they couldn't couldn't exclude him from the the, the company of the family or whatever when it happens twice you have to think that there's something going on there that we need to find out about it and we need to know about so I'm not accusing anybody of anything I'm just saying there's there's some suspicious circumstances there there's some circumstantial evidence that leads to a, a line of investigation that we need to go down we need to look at the royal family's involvement in predatory sexual activity if there is any or if there isn't any because it's we're talking about the leadership of this country we're talking about the people who are at the top of a tradition and a hierarchy that's admired by the majority of the country now I'm a re Republican and I don't really believe in symbolic hierarchy my viewpoint is that everybody's equal and we've, we've all got the the right to be our own sovereign we don't need a king to tell us what to do we don't need a king to be a figurehead on a a set of moral behaviors or whatever particularly if there's some suspicion that they they might be involved in predatory sexual activity with children or with minors so I don't like the royal family particularly I think people need like live and let live most of the time but when there's so when there's questions then those questions need to be answered people need to be held to account for crimes and being a sexual predator who preys on people who are underage is a crime in this country and people need to be held account for it into account for it anyway that's my take on the whole thing I was less direct than that on Wednesday because it it was an interview for a YouTube channel so I chose my words a bit more carefully than that but that's what I actually think all right so I recorded that yesterday um, so I know this is a bit of a mishmash of a show but it at least it at least it's happening in some form or another and uh, they might all be like this over the summer you never know it might be a bit improvised again for a while uh, the next piece I've got uh, was uploaded a couple of hours ago so I found it literally about half an hour before the show started but it's a, an interview with a the the MP an MP called Andrew Bridgen there's a guy who stood up in the House of Commons and listed vaccine uh, injuries and listed evidence for for why the Parliament should should stop giving people vaccines so he's been ostracized he's been completely he's been thrown out of the conservative party 
when he when he does his speeches in the House of Commons, people just get up and leave. It's been completely ostracised. Well, John Campbell interviewed him this morning, and it's roughly about well, we got about thirty-five minutes, and we've got about thirty-five minutes left of the show. So this should this should do us for the rest of the show, and it's it's more relevant to the UK than it is to the US, but it'll it'll give you an idea of what's going on in. Parliament. At least people are starting to stand up and and speak about these things now. So this is John. It's on the John Campbell channel on YouTube. This. Well, welcome to this video. And I've had so many requests for Mr. Andrew Bridgin, Member of Parliament, to uh, come onto the channel. And I'm delighted Mr. Bridgin has come on this morning. So Andrew, welcome, and it's a real uh, privilege and a pleasure to have you on the channel. And it's a privilege to be invited on and to get a chance to speak. John and uh, I'm looking forward to your questions. What I'd like to do first of all if you don't mind if you could just trace your thinking over the pandemic years as it, I mean my, mine has certainly evolved quite a lot there's been realizations uh, pennies have dropped disappointments have occurred um, what's your sort of development since early 2020? I think I've developed in a way very similar to yourself, John. Um, I am actually double vaccinated with AstraZeneca, something I deeply regret now. And when I went and got those vaccines in my constituency, I actually posted pictures of myself having the vaccine, um, yeah. which will be seen by my constituents and others. And um, again, I deeply re regret that. But as, uh, as Einstein says, you know, when the facts change, I change my mind. What, what do you do? And um, the sort of growing concerns around the whole pandemic response uh, from the lockdowns um, to the rollout of the vaccines, um, it's, it's all sort of compounded. And, and I started researching um, using some of my old historic knowledge from university, speaking to I mean, I have, I have very good access to academics and, and medics. And also through the House of Commons Library, I can get any paper from anywhere pretty much um, instantaneously or certainly within 24 hours. So I carried on researching and I, I wasn't liking what I was what I was hearing. Um, I voted against the Plan B. I, I really researched Omicron uh, and I spoke to some of the South African doctors and scientists. And I think the way they were treated and their evidence was treated by our parliament, I found it really quite insulting and, and smacked of racism to me. I mean, when we remember that South Africa was the place where we had the first ever heart transplant, their science was good, uh, their evidence was good, and I stood up in, in parliament uh, in December 21, opposed Plan B, pointed out that I believe that Omicron was probably the best Christmas present we could ever have had uh, by the attenuation of the virus to something less pathogenic, more transmissible. Uh, and what we, we also knew is there was no, no lockdown measures were going to stop an R rate of 12 or 14. Uh, uh, China couldn't do it with, uh, with those extreme lockdown measures. So I voted against the masks, the mandates and all those restrictions. And, and clearly, obviously, when I found out that, uh, well, we, that Partygate broke and 
that those at number 10 who were privy to the, the best science, the latest figures, they weren't concerned about social distancing or masks. No. And I think the other thing that really got me, John, was, um, was during the lockdowns, uh, which I voted against after the second one, um, I mean, the suicide rate in my constituency went up 400%. We, have, we were having more suicides in a month than we'd have in a normal year. And I really wanted to speak out about it, but I was so concerned about copycat. Uh, mm, and, mm. and quite honestly, you know, for a failed, a failed policy... Um, you know, I, I just hate the idea that my constituents and, and other people were just seen as pure collateral damage. Mm -hmm. So unlike most of your colleagues in Parliament, you do actually have a science degree. You've got a you've studied genetics and, and, and biology, which is is refreshing. So that gives you a good understanding of what's going on. What, one of the things that's concerned my viewers uh, an awful lot, Andrew, is you've stood up in Parliament and given uh, evidence-based rationale, and there doesn't seem to be any interaction. So, you, 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 you know, what I'd expect is you stand up and say, well, this evidence here from the reanalysis of the vaccine paper shows such and such. Um, this is inconsistent with the government thinking at the moment, you would expect some interaction. Someone would say, well, just a minute, let's go back and look at that data or let's compare that with data from someone else, which shows a contrary view. None of that. Why is it that they don't seem to want to academically, uh, intellectually interact with your evidence? I don't I think they're used to that uh, level of scientific analysis in parliamentary debates. Um, the ministers are not appointed by their scientific qualifications, generally. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, when, obviously, this is a contentious issue. Um, and we know the, the mainstream media narrative. So, I mean, every speech I gave on the vaccine harms... Um, was fully fact-checked by scientists and doctors prior to me giving it. And then, obviously, I produced a, a press pack immediately. I sat down with all the, all the papers itemised. And I think, I think the first speech on the 30th of December to uh, try and deter the government from vaccinating small children, I mean, that, I think that had 32 scientific papers and analyses attached to it. Um, and the problem is as well, I mean, what you've seen, John, is time and again, uh, when I put in for a, a contentious debate that's going to be difficult for the government, they, they don't even put the minister up who's actually responsible. Yeah. So it gives a get out of jail free card for the standing minister to say, well, if this is neither my speciality nor my area of responsibility, and I will write to the honourable gentleman. Well, I mean, we had all that. Uh, on the 17th of March, what I can tell you, John, is that the government didn't write to me with the, the answers to those wow. questions. I've, I've now gone back to the minister, uh, Will Quince, and pointed out to him that uh, he's a good chap, really, and I, he did promise me he'd answer those questions, and I, I don't want to have to raise a, house of, a point of order in the House of Commons. Mm-hmm. Overall, though, I get the impression that your uh, 
interventions, although there's like an official blind ear been turned on to them. I actually get the impression that you've moderated some of the government behaviour. So even though they haven't interacted publicly because they can't be seen to go against the narrative. For, for example, um, you know, the, the autumn booster campaign was for the over 55s, not for everyone. The current campaign, frantic backpedalling, is now for over 75s and those with significant comorbidities. I mean, and, and to many parents' relief, we never vaccinated babies in this country as they've done in the States. And um, I, I feel your interventions have had a moderating effect on that. Do, do you think that's the case? I believe so, and I hope so. But I think also what it's done is it's moved public opinion and awareness and it's that that is the in a, in a democracy. Surely it's the. And public health, the vaccination, small children who you. you and you've pointed out the science is there. I mean, there is the healthy child of that age group who has uh, suffered death due to uh, the virus. But clearly there are risks. associated with the vaccine so it, it never made sense and and i'd known for quite a long time and i was wanted to speak out but mm. it was when the the mhr the the ministers and healthcare product regulatory agency pushed the government for approval for those experimental vaccines down to children at the age of six that's when I felt I had to speak out. Uh, and also I thought that was something that the science was so clear and, and the risk benefit analysis so starkly uh, that this is uh, spluttering and stuttering and not quite getting there. So let's have a look at, uh, at BitChute and see what's, what's going on with BitChute. A little while since I've uh, done anything on law and live radio with BitChute, so let's uh, let's take a look at it. You know, have a look at the the entertainment category when it eventually loads. I think my Wi-Fi is starting to grind to a halt here, but we're more than halfway through, so we've done all right with it. Let's see if we can get a little bit more out of this. Oh, incidentally, I do have a, a channel on BitChute. Uh, so if you look up Free Association Radio Show on BitChute, you'll find my uh, my channel, which is different content to the content that I, that I put up on the podcast. So it's less content on BitChute, but it's different. It's not the same stuff. going on on BitChute. Lots of Tucker Carlson material this week as well, obviously. That beeping's a bit ominous. I don't know whether that's Skype struggling or whether it's on on the other end. But we'll carry on anyway. Carry on regardless, really. Right, isn't another piece of Andrew Bridgen, I think? 
It might be the John Campbell piece. No, it's Norman Fenton doing an, an interview by the looks of it. So let's try that. I might get a better better run for my money on this. Let's see. So this is on BitChute. On which channel is it on? Let's have, oh, it is. It's the, it's the John Campbell well, Welcome to again. this video. And I've had so many interests for, I think it was £10,000 a day. Is that, uh, is that allowed? He wasn't shy, was he? He knows his worth, that <laughs> man. £10,000 a day. Um, it, it's not, uh, for, for backbenchers, it's not uh, against the rules to have uh, other jobs. I mean, if there's any defence of that, clearly, if, uh, if you couldn't have another job, you, you could never take a ministerial job because you haven't got time. Because so, But being a backbencher, there's as much work as you want. I mean, right. and also... Now, I think, John, that some people think that MP stands for miracle performer. And, uh, and there are a lot of people out there looking for a miracle. But it, it, I mean, the, the member of parliament in, in the United Kingdom is, is such a precious entity to me, to democracy, because if my MP writes a letter on my behalf, if he takes the time to take an interest in me as an individual, that can actually change things. And if you're too busy earning £10,000 a day, you're going to have no time for the hoi polloi, the riffraff, the plodetariat like, like me. Um, and well, <laughs> as you can tell, that, that engenders strong feelings. Yeah, but ultimately you get the MPs, the representatives you vote for. There are no qualifications at all to be a member of Parliament. You don't have to have any qualifications. The qualification, the only one you need is you have to get the most votes at the election. <laughs> yeah. um, and they say that the uh, that the public get the politicians they deserve. Well, they must be. Some of them must have been very bad in a previous life, I think. Mm -hmm. The, the, the sign of, of Parliament is, is a portcullis, that is, the last protection of the castle when the authorage yes. has been breached. And uh, I think we also need to be bear that in mind, because I think some of the things that have gone on over the last few years, we certainly have not not protected the public, how, how our Parliament was set up to do. But then you know, neither have all the institutions uh, and agencies that were tasked with doing that. There's some very, very bad decisions. When you come back to corporate influences, I mean... Mm. It's very difficult if we're not if our parliament is not serving the interests of the public and we look around. It's not just our parliament. I mean, some very strange decisions on policy are being made in, in democracies all over the world on the same issue. And thought about that. You've got similar movements in New Zealand, Canada, the United Kingdom, parts of the United States, quite a few European countries all happening. Seen one heck of a co heck of a coincidence, uh, and it? Australia and New Zealand as well. Yeah. You see, and real commiserations for this. The party that you've worked for and given your blood for over a decade has rejected you. And I want to just play a clip here from our mutual friend, uh, the esteemed uh, emeritus professor now, Norman Fenton. And, and just uh, get your reaction to it, if you don't mind. Is that, is that OK? So that's for about a minute. Um. I want to say a few words about the Ferrari yesterday over MP Andrew Bridgen's suspension from the Conservative Party for supposedly anti-Semitic remarks. Now, I'm Jewish. Uh, it looks like the 
the Wi-Fi may well have gone. Let me double check in the chat room, see if anybody can still hear me. I don't know. I don't know. Mist, can you still hear me? I'm going to have to fill for five minutes till the end of the show, because I think my Wi-Fi is a bit dodgy here. So, just to remind people where you can find me online, the, the main place at the moment is the, is the podcast, which is radioprojects.podbean.com, or you can, look, you can look up Free Association Radio Show on Spotify and on Google Podcasts and on TuneIn and all those types of places, and you'll find me there. I'm posting at the moment, I'm posting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and then I take a couple of days off while I think about the Saturday show. Only short, short, like 10 minutes, 10 minutes or so, 20 minutes sometimes a day, apart from the Saturday show. Yeah, the Wi-Fi here is intermittent. I'm on, I'm on Sky Wi-Fi, which should be fine because it's a big operation it's Rupert Murdoch's operation in the UK so in theory it should be totally fine but it's coming from a different cafe so I'm, I'm probably on the on the very edge of the signal where I'm sitting here but it it'll do for now it's okay for now so if you want to if you want to find me I'm on BitChute as radio projects or you can look up free association radio show and you'll find me there I'm on Odyssey as free association radio show on Rumble as as free association radio show trying to think where else that's pretty much it uh, there's websites I don't really do much with I've got, I've got imagination creates reality dot live which I don't do a huge amount with but now and again I'll post on there I've got shadowplayer.live, again, same thing, I don't do very much with it. Both websites running running on on WordPress. WordPress 6.2 came out quite recently, and it updated successfully without me doing anything about it. So they've got their automatic updates pretty much sorted out now on WordPress. I'm not all that happy about the, about the site editor as yet. I still think they need to work on that, but uh, they'll get there. It just takes it takes a long time with WordPress. They're basically rewriting the entire software in JavaScript, so it's going to take a couple of years to get to get everything in place. For a while, it was the equivalent of like running the old version, which is the PHP version, was better because it was only about a third of what was needed with the JavaScript version, but now we're up to, to version 6.2 and it's it's getting there slowly but surely so I think I think I'm going to stick to there we go something's going on with with this again so oh, let's talk about uh, Son, Sonic Voice or Sonic Write which is a JetGPT equivalent it's actually a different different user interface for ChatGPT. I've been playing about with it. The free version gives you 10,000 words of content and you can train it so you can I, I put it, you can add sites to it 
that you wanted to to pull content from. So inevitably, I've uh, I've added wiki spooks to to that particular artificial intelligence, and we'll see what it comes up with. I'm I'm playing with playing with it. I might at some point manage to get some some radio content out of it. At the moment, it's not really radio friendly. It's giving me far far too much of the mainstream narrative to be to be radio friendly for this particular uh, show. So let's let's see if we can get back to Norman Fenton. I'll try again with this. I don't think it's going to do it because it it should have been playing while I was talking over the top of it, but you never know. It might come back. All right, let's not worry about that. Then I'll play something else. So I've got another monologue that I recorded. I recorded this one yesterday. I can't remember what I what it was about, but it was. Uh, it was just me summarising yesterday, so we'll go with this for the time being. Right, I've got to change the share screen again. Back to wave pad. All right, let's give this a try. This will cover us for the last ten minutes of the show. Good afternoon, good evening, welcome to Free Association. My name's Dennis. This is a an impromptu rambling show. It's just after 11 p.m. on the mon- on Monday, the 24th of April. I'll probably do some more rambling tomorrow morning at some point, and then kind of mix it together and see if I can get a show out of it. But I'm just uh, I got the urge to to record something, so I'm recording something, in, and I'm testing some plugins from Analog Obsession. All right, so let's talk about Tucker Carlson leaving Fox News for a second. I'm not the biggest fan of Tucker Carlson, but I do appreciate his ability to communicate. He's a fantastic communicator. I watched his speech to the Heritage Foundation about an hour and a half ago, uh, I watched the whole speech, and it was very—it was a very moving and effective speech. He's fallen into the good versus evil trap, which I can understand why he's done that. But what it comes down to is is money, money, or love of money is the root of all evil. So the transgender agenda, for what it's worth, is is hormones for somebody's entire life. It's hormone replacement therapy for sixty or seventy years. That's a mon- that's a money spinner for pharmaceutical com- companies. So it's not necessarily it's not people who are to blame for the transgender things that are going on. It's shareholders at pharmaceutical companies. That's who's to blame. So it's BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. There's one other that comes up as well fairly regularly. It's pension funds. 
it's hedge funds, it's the big banks, it's all of the corporate investors in pharmaceutical companies have got a vested interest in people being transgender because they've got a lifetime supply of hormones to supply. So over a lifetime, what's the lifetime value of 70 years worth of hormone replacement therapy? 70, so if somebody lives till they're 84 and they start hormone replacement at 14, let's call that 70 years, 70 years of hormone replacement therapy. That's a, that's a money, it's a guaranteed money spinner. It's a guaranteed return on investment. So that's where the problem is. The problem isn't individuals. It's corporate shareholders driving profit. At least in my opinion. And I think the odds are pretty clear now that Tucker Carlson's going to be an independent broadcaster with a huge following. And uh, it's in Rumble's interest and in Spotify's interest to give them as much money as they can possibly afford and to bring that following to their platform. So if Tucker Carlson signs an exclusive deal with Spotify and he brings, what, 50 million people potentially? I don't know what his audience is. It's not 50 million, but let's call it 5 million people. For the sake of argument, if he's got the equivalent of Joe Rogan's audience, which is 6 million, then that's worth $100 million. It's worth giving Tucker Carlson $100 million to bring that audience with him to Spotify, and it's worth that much to Rumble to bring that audience with him because that establishes them as a platform for independent journalism. Absolutely critical now for Rumble to close the deal with Tucker Carlson. And there's not very many other places he could go. He could go to Odyssey, but he's not. But he's too mainstream to go to Odyssey. So my, my money is either on Spotify or on Rumble. And I would, given that Rumble are actively recruiting people, I would say they've already spoken to him. I could be wrong. But my and he, he knows Glenn Greenwald's on there. They're friends, and it could be that when Glenn speaks to him, he's realised that he he could make a lot of money and be independent and ha, ha, say what he actually feels rather than catering to a particular audience. I don't know. That's just my it's my good feeling. My good feeling is that he'll go to Rumble because there's already two people on there. You've got Clayton Morris, who's ex-Fox, The Breakfast Show, Fox and Friends. And you've got Glenn Greenwald, who's a regular on on the Tucker Carlson show. 
both on Rumble, both committed to Rumble. So it makes it makes sense that anybody who jumps ship from Fox News ends up on Rumble. It makes co- All right, so that's more or less the show for this this week. It's been a bit of a dog's breakfast, but at least it happened. <laughs> the next one will be better. I'll get used to doing this, all this improvised stuff again, and then we'll uh, we'll take it from there for the summer. So I I might end up in the park if I can find a Wi-Fi signal in Lisa's Park. Then I would love to do, be able to do this show from Lisa's Park. But I've, I've recorded a couple of things over the last couple of weeks, but but there's no Wi-Fi in the middle of the park, so I'm going to have to find uh, whatever the place is at the edge where there's a Wi-Fi signal and just set something up there. Anyway, that's pretty much it for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again next week. Have a good week. Barbara Jean Lindsay, the Cosmic Oracle. If you have questions about your past lives or future plans, need answers from the cosmos about your love life or career, or just want to keep your finger on the pulse of the planet, check out my show, The Cosmic Oracle, here on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. There have been imaginative science fiction writers for generations. Be evasive. But that doesn't mean that they're telling the truth as opposed to fiction. I, you know, I'm aware of some archaeologists that have uncovered large uh, bones indicating giants in Virginia. Um, Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. Um, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, indicating that there were giants before the Nephilim. And sons of God, plural. They weren't talking about Jesus coming down. No, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh I'm Steve Crawford. Join me every Thursday night in Studio A at 6 p.m. Eastern for Factor Theory Live. Find us on www.revolution.radio. Great guests and great stories. What do you believe? Hi, I'm Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control 